listening to the Retro Sermons Podcast. Find out more at NorthColumbusChristians.com slash Retro Sermons. Thank you and good afternoon to you, the radio audience. We are happy to be back today to continue our study of the Bible and conscience. Those of you who were listening in yesterday, remember that we began a study of this subject and that we found that the conscience is not an infallible guide. We found that the Apostle Paul persecuted Christians, thinking that he was doing the service of God. In John 16th chapter, verses 1, 2, and 3, we found that Christ said that the day was coming when those that put to death the apostles would think they were doing God's service. We also found that the Bible is our guide. Man is guided from without and not within. The prophet of the Lord said in the long ago, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Jeremiah 10 and 23. Now, if it was true that conscience is a safe guide, then it would be within man to guide himself. Again, in Proverbs 14 and 12, we have this statement. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14 and 12. So a way may seem right to man. A man's conscience might tell him it is right. But the way, the end of that way, is the way of death. As we learned yesterday, conscience is something that can be educated. And if we are taught that a certain thing is right, then we can engage in that thing with a good conscience. The Apostle Paul persecuted the church with all good conscience. We read in Acts the 23rd chapter in the first verse, and also Acts the 26th chapter, verse beginning with 9, reading through the 12th. We read also from Proverbs 28 and verse 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Now this would not be true if conscience was a safe guide. If conscience was a safe guide, as some think, we would not need the Bible. What good would the Bible be if we could depend upon our conscience to tell us what to do and what not to do? There are those over in India who look upon the cow as a sacred animal. And they wouldn't kill a cow for anything in the world because he is sacred, a sacred animal. Why does he so regard him? Because he has been taught that. But we have been taught that it's just an animal and it's good for food and that Lord has given it to us for our use. It's all right. Taught in the Bible that people are to slay cattle and keep them. And so we can do it without any compunction of conscience whatsoever. It is just a matter of teaching. The Bible is our guide. David said, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Psalm 73, verse 24. So the counsel of the Lord is found in the Bible, found in his word, and he guides us with that counsel. David did not say, Thou shalt guide me with my conscience, and afterward receive me to glory. But thou shalt guide me 
with thy counsel. And this counsel or advice is found in the word of the Lord and not in the conscience of man. Now again we read that the scriptures are given for the instruction in righteousness. In 2 Timothy, third chapter, verses 16 and 17, the apostle Paul said, All scriptures inspired of God is possible for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, truly furnished unto every good work. Now man is instructed in righteousness in God's word. The scriptures are profitable for doctrine, that is for teaching, for reproof, and for correction and instructions in righteousness. It is necessary that man receive instruction in righteousness. All men are to be taught. All men have conscience, but all must be taught in order to be saved. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, according to Matthew, Matthew 28, and verse 19, he told the apostles to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now go teach all nations, for the people of all nations have conscience, so why should they be taught? Simply because they would not know the way of salvation if they were not taught. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, in Romans 10 and 17, says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In that same 10th chapter of Romans, he makes a statement that people could not believe without a preacher. That is, they couldn't believe without hearing. And they couldn't hear without a preacher. So it was necessary that the gospel be preached. Paul had reference here to the first proclamation of the gospel by the apostles of Christ as they carried out that commission to preach the gospel to all the world, to every creature, wherever he might be. God realized how man was made because he was a maker of man. And he created him in such a way as that he was to learn. He could receive instruction. And he ordained that the gospel should be preached to him. As Mark records it in Mark 16 and 15, preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature was to be taught the gospel. And he that believeth and is baptized should be saved, and he that believeth not should be condemned. Now man's salvation depended upon being taught the gospel and his obedience to the same. If he did not believe it, then he was to be condemned. Again, we are told by Jesus in the sixth chapter of John just how people are drawn to God. In verse 44 of that chapter, he has this to say in regard to men being saved. He speaks about the Father drawing them. No man can come, unto, can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh to me, unto me. Now, we have a plain statement here by our Savior that all shall be taught of God, he goes back and quotes the Old Testament prophet on that. All shall be taught of God, and he that hath heard and learned of the Father 
cometh unto me. So man is a teachable creature. And for in order for him to be saved, he has to be taught. Conscience is no proof that one is saved. If a man thinks he's saved when he's lost, his conscience will tell him he's all right. Conscience can't go any further than is taught. And it acts upon that which it has received, the instruction is received. And so it is no proof that one is saved. Now let us consider the Apostle Paul. He's a fine example of what I'm talking about now. In Acts 26, chapter, verse 9, I begin reading. I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which things I also did in Jerusalem, and many other saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I often, and I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even to strange cities. Now Paul thought with himself that he ought to do many things contrary to Jesus of Nazareth. In verse 23, it tells us that he had served God unto this day, with a conscience that was void of offense. Everything he had done was in all good conscience toward God. But yet he was persecuting Christians because he thought they were imposters. Being in the Jews' religion, he was doing it, believing that he was right. In his letter to the church, at, rather in his letter to Timothy, he has this to say in First Timothy. Concerning this very matter, 1 Timothy 1, verses 13 and 14, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ. Now, Paul declares that he was a chief of sinners. But, he said that he did it ignorantly and in unbelief, persecuting the church. But yet, he thought at that time he was in the good grace of God. He thought he was saved. He thought he was one of the elect. But he was deceived. He was following the wrong religion. And as we learned yesterday in our study, that when he learned that he was wrong, then he became a Christian became obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. One may be deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Galatians 6 and 17. Again we read from James. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. James 1 and 26. So it is possible for a man to deceive himself into thinking that he's saved when he is not saved. And when a man thinks that is conscience, we'll encourage him in that because it is, has led him to believe, or rather he has led his conscience to think that he's saved and therefore his conscience will approve his action. Now we see that conscience cannot be our guide. We need something better than that. So it's, we need to turn back to the Bible. The Bible is the only thing that can guide us. 
and guide us rightly. As David said, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and that would bring me to glory. As Peter said, he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We appreciate your listening in today, and we invite you to be with us again Monday morning when we'll study another lesson from the Word of God. We return you now to your announcement. Our study this afternoon, let us consider the question, the proper attitude toward the Bible. Perhaps of all hindrances to the truth today, the wrong attitude toward the Bible is the greatest. There is no point in telling a man what the Bible teaches unless he is willing to properly regard such information. Effort is wasted when time is spent trying to teach a man what the Bible says when he does not have any regard for the Bible or when he has no more regard for it than he has for his own opinion. And there are a lot of people that are in that condition. There are those who would put their opinion even beyond the Bible. We need desperately to examine our faith in the Bible as the Word of God. What is your attitude? What is my attitude? These are questions that we need to consider. Are you willing to have all matters settled by a positive, plain declaration from the Bible? Do you believe that the Bible is a divine revelation? Do you believe that it is a message from God revealing His will and setting forth man's duty? Do you regard His pronouncement as final on every subject? Do you believe the Bible can be understood? Do you think it is acceptable of several different interpretations? Or do you believe it has a common message for all mankind and produces the same faith wherever understood and believed? Now these are questions that we should answer honestly. Be honest with ourselves in giving the answer to them. Let us notice what the Bible claims. The Bible claims to be the revelation of God, of God's will through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul sets forth such a claim in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 and 13. But but we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, that we might know the things that were freely given to us of God which things we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Spirit teacheth, combining spiritual things with spiritual words. Here is a claim for inspiration, and even for verbal inspiration. The Bible claims to be a revelation of the will of God clothed in words of God's own choosing. That claim is either true and the Bible is therefore worthy of complete respect, or it is untrue, and we should not respect the Bible at all. If we believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, then surely we are ready to believe and to receive what it says on any name, even if it conflicts with our own opinion, our inherited ideas of religion, are the creed or discipline of every church on earth. 
but there are too many people who are ready to put their own opinions, their own ideas, their own think-souls up above the Bible as being their final authority. I have talked with people, point out to them the Bible says this, and even read it to them and let them read it. They say, I know it says that, but I think thus and so. Now, a man that would do that doesn't have the faith in God that he needs. He doesn't have the faith in the Bible that he needs. He is putting his own judgment, his own opinion, up as a better authority than that of the Word of God. In other words, he's willing to accept the Bible if it agrees with his opinion. But when and wherever the Bible might disagree, then he's going to take his opinion instead. Then there are others who worship their parents, as it were, or their grandparents, as the case might be. The Bible says this, but my parents thought otherwise and acted otherwise, and I'm just going to follow the way that they traveled. Our attitude would be the same as Paul's. If we believed as Paul did, if we had the same faith in God that Paul had, and here's what Paul said, and this is the attitude we ought to have. Here's what he said, let God be true and every man a liar. What God says is true if it contradicts what every man on earth teaches. Paul called attention to the fact that our attitude cannot change the truth on any question when he said, Shall their want of faith make void the word of God? Of none. Let's back up and get that right. Shall their want of faith make the word of God of none effect? God forbid. Romans 3, verses 3 and 4. Jesus declared, Thy word is truth. John 17 and 17. Jesus recognized the word of God as truth. And Paul said that a person's unbelief, their want of faith, will not make the word of God of none effect. And it matters not if every man on earth should disbelieve God's word. God's word is still true. And it will not make it void. God's word is just as true whether we believe it or whether we believe it not. When we disbelieve it, it is still just as true as it is when we believe it. The thing that we need to do is to examine ourselves and be honest with ourselves in answering these questions. And if we find that we are not in the faith, if we do not have the right attitude toward the Bible, that we begin a study of the Word and bring our attitude into the right frame, our mind into the right attitude, that we might be acceptable unto God. No matter how much we profess we to believe the Bible, to be God's Word, if we willfully set aside what it says for any consideration on earth, our very attitude and action betrays our unbelief. There is no need of us proclaiming that we have a belief, a faith in God's word. 
if we're going to set it aside for the opinions of me. This is not uncommon on the part of professing Christian people. There are those who will hear what God says on something and without hesitation say, I know the Bible says that, but I think, and hence nullify in their own attitude what God has said because it does not meet their own judgment and opinion. Such is infidelity. Now this may be plain, but there is no other correct name for it but infidelity. A lack of faith on our part in what God has said. Again, when God's word has been called to their attention, others will not have it because their mother or father thought different. Such people worship their ancestors, and not God at all, nor do they believe the Bible to be God's word. Others will attempt to set aside the declaration of divine truth by the fact that some learned preacher in whom they have great confidence has said otherwise. They are followers of men and not believers in God. Which are you going to take? What some man says? Or what the Lord has said? Sometimes you talk with people and they'll say, I know, but my pastor says this. And my pastor is an educated man. He's been to college and he has several degrees. That all might be true. But remember that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he's been to heaven. And is in heaven at the right hand of God now. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And his word shall stand. He has the right to speak. And he does speak. And someday he shall be the judge of men. These people that talk about what their preacher says or their parents say, they refuse God's sovereignty and show that they disbelieve his word for such action. Still more hold on to what their particular church teaches in spite of what God has said. Jesus said of that kind back in his day, in vain do they worship me teaching for their doctrines the commandments of men. Matthew 15, verse 9. And there are many people like that today. In all such instances, or when men set aside and fail to regard what God in his word has said, faith is simply failing to stand the test. The proof of your faith in the Bible as the word of God is found in whether or not you believe, teach, live, worship, and serve and sacrifice by his teaching. Remember that he that offendeth in one point is guilty of the whole. James 2 and 10. If I'm going to set aside part of what God has said, that I know that, but I just don't think that's right, I believe something else, I might as well cast aside all of God's word and say I'm not going to have it. We either believe what God has said, all that he said, and only what he said, just because he said it, or we do not believe the word of God at all. Now this may be plain language, but the time has come when we need plain language, language that people can understand. The only limitation on the power of the word of God to make you what God would have you to be 
and lead you to the ultimate salvation of your soul in eternity is your own attitude. We must have good and honest hearts, refusing to let the devil explain the word of God away, cultivating strength of purpose, and turning away from the deceitfulness of riches and the careless world. If the word of God produces a fruit in our lives that will redeem us and glorify God, and we find that it will when we read Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9, and verses 18 to 23, where Jesus gives a parable of the soul. The seed was sown into the hearts, and those that was fell among the good ground, and honest and good hearts bought forth thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold, and those that have such fruitful lives as that shall enjoy eternity with God. Tune in tomorrow at this time. And we'll have another lesson from the Word of God. We return you now to your announcement.